0: hello and welcome to the gaily planet a podcast where two queer nerds talk about media we love i am lark malachi gray
1: and i'm jesse Blount, and today we are talking about the second half of our discussion of the second half of the golden compass slash the northern lights for all of your deep philosophical needs (laughs) because we really get into it (laughs) y'all
0: we really do oh my gosh this is such a fun episode um yeah so today you're going to hear editorials personals and mostly health and science yeah let's get into the episode welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff
1: all right i have a question for you which is can armored bears see dust
0: i don't know if they can i don't think that it registers to them what do you think
1: i mean i i guess i was just trying to think through what it means when he's just like you can't trick a bear we can see it clear as day, like we can see in ways that like people have forgotten how to see. And I'm just like, what is like are you seeing like an electromagnetic field? Like what are you like what are you seeing? (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm so curious um what what it is that allows him to have allows Army Bears to have this sort of power that I guess through self-hate and denial you can not have in the case of you And his desperate to try to be human. <laughs> and they got played the hardest <laughs> out of
0: anyone in the book. <laughs> For real. For real.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe it's like, nope, I don't know. Great question. Yeah. Um, I want to revisit our Lyra has no imagination conversation from the last episode. Okay. Because Philip Pullman is really out here taking the incredible stance that anxiety and imagination are interchangeable words. (laughs) I'm like, are you, Phil, do I have an imagination disorder? Is that what you're telling me? Because... (laughs) Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. He's so insistent that the only thing that qualifies as imagination is being able to think of reasons that situations won't go your way. I just don't think that's true. I simply don't.
1: (laughs) (sighs) No, you're right. It does. It does. Because, like, there's got to be people who, like, don't have anxiety and have, like... A very vivid imagination. and that Like that Lyra, just, for like, instance. Like Lyra,
0: for instance. <laughs> just, it's like he goes on this whole thing about how, like, you can be a good <laughs> liar without having an imagination and whatever. And here's the reason she doesn't have a good imagination. And then, like, one page later, Roger is like, I found a hiding place. And it's like, but Lyra saw a highway. And I'm like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> what are we calling that? No, you're right. Coming up with the idea, speaking of Yofer to be like, oh, I'm, your de- I'm here to be your demon. I'm Yorick's demon, but I don't want to be his demon. I want to be your demon. That is creative. The fact that she doesn't talk herself out of it by being like, here's a million reasons it might not work doesn't mean that it's not a creative thought process.
1: Yeah. That she like puts together pretty quickly from getting all the information out being like, All right, so this bear doesn't want to be a bear and therefore is super gullible. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that Lyra's lack of anxiety (laughs) (laughs) is being played off as being on the badge.
0: It's so funny. (sighs) I like. The other day, Evan and I were updating our phones at the same time. You know, when you're updating an iPhone, it's just like, you can't do anything with it for like 15 minutes. And I was like, isn't it weird to think about how if something happened and we needed to call 911 in the next 15 minutes, we would have to like go to the neighbor's house. We would just have no way to do that. And Evan was like, your brain is so unkind. And I was like, I know it's a terrible brain to have. I That's anxiety. The fact that Evan's brain wasn't like, wouldn't that be terrible? Doesn't mean that he's not imaginative. (laughs) He has a great imagination. It just doesn't come with a side of like, (sighs) what a terrible brain to have. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Uh,
1: I love everything about this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) It's your turn. All right. Two of my favorite things in this book are, that are related which is the way that uh, the way that mythology is woven into this world with the addition of demons, so we get two instances Uh, number one, we get uh, mention of the like OG, like from African country zombie mythos which is that in this world, you would be a zombie because you've had, like, your demon separated from you. And now you can just work forever, like, without eating or sleeping, which is very close to, like, one of the original, like, zombie myths, which is a sort of... I mean, actually, mostly in a, like, from, like, Caribbean and American enslaved African mythos of uh, the horror of being, like, even in death like you're still a slave and still have to work. So using that here with like demons. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Number two. is uh, This, uh, the Bible with demons, Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the story of Adam and Eve. And it's like, Eve ate the apple and saw her true demon, like her demon settled. And it's like this, you know, this is what, this is what caused original sin and blah, blah. And I'm just, Excellent, Chef's kiss. Yep, A-, A plus. Would read the Bible if everyone had demons. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry. Can you think of how much longer the whatever the one is where they just list the begats if it was also <laughs> listing the fucking demons? It would <laughs> be seven hundred <laughs> pages long. <laughs> uh.
1: But, I mean, I feel like you don't have to go that hard. I mean, Jesus is already the lamb in, like, half the shit in the New Testament anyway. So it's just like, there you go. That's his demon. Done. Oh, my
0: God. Great. amazing.
1: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time thinking about
0: this. Um, in your opinion, does too much happen at the end of this book? A lot happens at the end of this book. I feel like the fact that it's like, and then the zeppelin and then the witches and the tartars and the bears fighting it like muddies the drama of Azrael and roger and all of that i think it would be better without that
1: yeah that was definitely i was into the audiobook where i'm just kind of like all right yep yeah, bears are fighting a zeppelin and fighting witches this is like cool conceptually but like You got to get to Azrael and Miss Coulter at the top of the world. Give me that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. Other stuff just felt like, why is this even here?
1: Yeah. It is kind of, it is, it is a little out of place. Um, speaking of which, I think that it is good that Miss Coulter and Lord Azrael are not together because I really do think that they would just burn the entire world down. (laughs) their powers combined
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: like it's it's a good thing they're clearly just too volatile together to like ever be together for more than like short periods of time yeah (laughs) because i'm like this would be the end of the book (laughs) they (laughs) would kill god and rule the multiverse i'm just throwing it out
0: (laughs) yeah yep you're you're not wrong that's a good point though because my last question here is like Asriel makes it sound like they have the same goal where he's like, we're going to find the source of dust and destroy it. And I think he is being tongue in cheek of like the it here is being used as we're going to destroy the source, namely God, but that dust will still be intact. Whereas it, he's making it sound like we're going to destroy dust. But I don't, I don't think that's his actual goal. What do you think?
1: You know, I actually was questioning that too because i'm like azra what what do you think dust is (laughs) like do you think it's somehow impacting free will because if you got rid of dust it'd be very bad (laughs) so but like so i actually am a little curious like what he thinks it is
0: yeah great question actually because maybe he just learns more about it as he goes and is like, oh, let me revise what my mission is. But at this moment, he thinks it's something else.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it is definitely connected to him wanting to kill God. Like maybe he thinks it's divinity of some kind. And which is kind of the opposite of what Miss Coulter thinks. Who thinks it's original sin in a physical form. Mm hmm. And that's why it's like, oh, we gotta not have that be attracted to people. You gotta rip them apart. Yeah. so I do think that he I think that he assumes that it's bad, but I just think for a different reason than this culture does.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff.
1: because I probably should have left my wanting to be in that threesome to this section but that's oh, fine
0: wow. <laughs> um i just i just want to take a moment to talk about Azrael and mrs coulter at the end of this book it's very sexy
1: even lyra is, is like is. oh this is weirdly sexy you guys
0: <laughs> she it's so funny i really like that we see it through her eyes and see her misunderstanding of what it is because I think that A, that shields it from being weird for kids who can also just be confused along with Lyra. Yeah. And then as adults I think it's just sort of fun to be like seeing it through her confused eyes where she's like they look like they're being mean but their demons are having fun and then she's like their demons were playing and you're like yeah, (laughs) they were. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> sure, that's what they were doing.
1: Yeah. Right. Um Yeah. Yeah. So and then you're like it really just puts the pieces together about like okay, yeah, you like lost Azrael, you like lost your like entire fortune. But like if y'all can't if this is the vibe y'all were being in the same room together, I'm sure everyone was like, What the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's actually also like, man, uh, Miss Coulter's husband must have been very oblivious to what was happening.
0: (laughs) God, no wonder she had an affair. There's no way that that man was satisfying her.
1: I mean, she probably did it because he was connected, but he was probably very boring. Yeah. And we learned that, uh, yeah, demons can get sexy with each other. (laughs) This is Mm -hmm. the important lesson of this. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Which is really weird to think about. Like, when it's a leopard and a monkey, you're like, yeah, I can visualize this. But, like, what if it's a leopard and a fucking moth? Like, what happens?
1: I don't know. I mean, maybe that means that you're incompatible as people.
0: Mm, Maybe.
1: I don't know. Yeah. That's a good segue into our last section.
0: Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science.
1: All right. Um, so I have some information about polar bears
0: versus okay. armored
1: bears, because if anyone couldn't tell, armored bears are some of my favorite things in this book. It's the fucking coolest. Um, so in real life, uh, polar bears don't have six inch claws. That is totally a thing for armored bears. They're shorter, I think, for IRL polar bears, and they don't have opposable thumbs. They just have, like, a giant paw pad because they're huge. they um, so big. Yeah, they're, like, they can go between, like, 300 pounds to, to like, 1,500 pounds in, like, weight. Uh, and between 7 to 10 feet long and 4 to 5 feet high. So they can be pretty fucking huge. Yeah. Yeah. And have longer snouts than most bears, too. So, like, snout armor, I think, head armor, pretty important. Yeah. And I got a lot of this from Wikipedia. Uh, polar bears are generally pretty solitary, but apparently there's been research about them having, like, friendships, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> which is very cute. And uh, they mostly eat seals, almost, I think, primarily. Well, correction, pre-climate change, <laughs> majority of their diamond is seals. Um, and they can get a walrus, but walruses, I did not know this, can weigh between 1,500 and 4,000 pounds. So the scene of you for slicing through a walrus and, like, killing it quickly is like, oh, yeah, actually, <laughs> like, you should have won that fight if you had self-respect. Right. <laughs>
0: Hmm.
1: Like you would have won the fight. Cause you definitely outsize and outclassed uh Yurik. Yeah. So. Uh and bear uh polar bear livers are actually in fact poisonous. That's that about this last episode.
0: Uh you didn't, but I feel like I looked it up at some point after reading that in the book, so I did know that.
1: Yeah. Too much vitamin A in their livers is what makes it poisonous to mammals, I think. Like people. And also, I guess, what other mammals? Dogs, I guess. I don't know.
0: Um, I don't know why I just thought of this. Do you think that there are, like, polar bears, not, you know, non-human, non-person polar bears, and then armored bears both in this world, or just all polar bears are armored bears?
1: You know, I was wondering that, too. I'm, I'm gonna... I think there must also be just regular not talking polar bears cuz i feel like they have to make the distinction that they're armored
0: well but there could be like you know brown bears and grizzlies and kodiak and
1: yeah yeah but i guess they would just be like they would be polar bears i guess if there weren't other
0: another kind of polar bear i don't know do you know what panzerborn translates to does it just translate to armored bear yeah essentially okay. What is that, like, Norwegian?
1: hmm Yeah, the Bjorn is bear, and the, I'm pretty sure that there's, like, armor or something to that effect. Okay. So, I don't know. It would be confusing, I guess, but maybe then it makes sense that there are also polar bears, because I feel like the armored bears would have to differentiate themselves from a distance if it's, like, is that an armored bear or a polar bear?
0: You know, I feel like there's probably only armored bears like this is a world in which that's polar bear evolution was gaining sapience, for lack of a better word.
1: Mm-hmm. And being able to learn a ton of languages, which is like mm-hmm. very impressive.
0: Yeah. All right. So can we talk about the alethiometer a little bit?
1: Yeah, we sure can.
0: It's so specific, way more specific than it could possibly be you Mm -hmm. know so i want to know if you think that it's sort of just lyra who can maybe channel dust through the alethiometer to get information like there's 60 men with rifles cannons and fire hurlers and they're two hours away whereas someone who's learned to read the alethiometer using books would get like there's an army close, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I I do think, yes, Lyra has, I think, a very precise interpretation. And the fact that she's even like, yeah, it like kind of rebuked me for asking the same question twice. And it's like- Taro
0: does that. <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, oh, I know that. <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah, I think, yeah, I think Lyra is like, her intuitive slash she needs to have this skill in order to move forward in her journey to save the universe is like yeah it is very precise and like yeah probably is definitely also affected by dust
0: right I mean we know from future books that dust is what makes the alethiometer work and Lyra's you know dust is angels Lyra is chosen so I feel like whether it's special to her or it's you know, the angels are like, well, you're chosen and we need you to know this information. So we'll just give you all of the information, sort of using the alethiometer as a conduit. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it could possibly be that precise for the average alethiometrist.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- the sense that we get and how long, well, I guess this is interesting because I guess my sort of interpretation of what makes the alethiometer Difficult is knowing which of the many meanings of each of each symbol. Like, how do you know you're right? You know. And I think that because Lyra is the chosen one, that she's sort of into it. She's going to intuit the correct meaning, where the people who have like a library full of books have to what do whatever calculations you have to do to figure out to be like, all right, well, this makes sense, piecing it together.
0: I mean, Lyra will say things like, it landed on this 15 times, so I know it's the 15th layer down, but there are, like, thousands of levels. So I think at this point, maybe she doesn't need to do that, but I imagine that most people are standing there with a fucking tally. Like, okay, 5, 10, 15, 30, 75, okay, what's the, like, 75th meaning of that symbol? So no wonder it takes a million fucking years. That sounds excruciating.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, if Lyra is not even paying attention to the part where it's, like, landing on it, like, 17 times or whatever, she can just skip that part, like, just sort of mentally, then, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And there's just no way that the alethiometer can be, like, rifles, cannons, and fire throwers. I'm like, there's not... There's only 36 symbols. There's no way. (laughs) There's no way. That's... Yeah, that's got to just be her.
1: But, yeah. But then maybe it's also... Maybe it's also a combination like charades and like word puzzle where it's like, Mm. all right, so this is an instrument and this is fire. So like, okay, fire instrument plus like this means a bear and then this means air, but also, you know, air machine. It's like, oh, it's a Zeppelin, you know, but also having to figure that out somehow from the like thousands of meanings. That would be so hard.
0: (laughs) It would be so hard. It's
1: like five words and it's like okay
0: sounds like i don't know that sounds so much less cool than it being something more akin to tarot where it's you know telling you what you need to know but in a way that's i don't know that's like more esoteric i don't know but just being like all right yeah like charades i'm just like that's not that cool i don't know i don't like it
1: I mean, maybe there's just a little bit of charades happening.
0: Listeners, it is now a week later or something because we ran out of time. And so we are resuming our journey through the health and science section. And Jesse, would you please start us off?
1: Yes. Um. Uh, let's talk about demons. We learn a lot about, we learn a lot more about demons um, especially that if you cut or rip your demon away, it definitely fucks you up in different ways, depending on whether you're a child or an adult.
0: Yeah, and I think also depending on how it's done, yeah. it sounds like, I assume that an adult who is torn from their demon would also die. But if you're severed, it just turns you into a zombie, question mark. Yeah. It's like
1: zombie slash mild, maybe not mild, like sort
0: of lobotomy. Yes, I think that was that was a comparison that we had made. And I think it's a really good one.
1: Yeah, so which actually does bring up some actually really interesting, like brain soul stuff,
0: you know? Yeah, it's like your soul is what makes you interested. And your brain is what you know, affects your intellect and bodily functions and whatever.
1: Yeah. So, uh, severing your demon, not great. But we also learned part of the reason it looks like the Magisterium is interested in doing this is that there is definitely some love slash sex things around demons too. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely a sense of like a sort of I don't want to say like a carnal sin, but sort of it seems like sort of the there definitely seems to be a strong connection between like maybe romance and love and sex and the way that your demon responds to other people and I you know also yourself as we see our first reunion of Lord Azrael Miss Coulter where there's there's definitely a like undercurrent like a sexual undercurrent in the way that overcurrent
0: overcurrent. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, why kill Roger when you could just use the sexual tension happening here to rip open <laughs> a rip hole in the world
0: for real? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really good point because you know, if we're comparing to our version, our world version of Christianity, there is this like you know, the the core of purity culture is that sex should only be for reproduction. And I feel like these severed adults, you know, they would have sex, but it would be rote, you know? It would be like, we want a child, therefore we do this act. And it has nothing to do with passion or... Desire. Hormones or, yeah, desire is a great word for it.
1: Yeah, I actually had to... I had to... Even though I went to Catholic school for a long time, I had to Google what the fuck original sin was because I'm like, what what is that? And it's essentially that, like, the very Christian idea that, like, people are inherently the way that people are born sinners and sinful and the church has to, uh, I mean, essentially beat it out of out of people, which is, like, obviously bullshit. And so it makes sense that the church is so interested in the policing of people's demons and what they do and more importantly how they affect like individual behaviors Mm -hmm. um because yeah like what does purity culture look like when you have demons i feel like it is it's like you have this physical manifestation of like that people are both mammals but like mammals plus you know Mm -hmm. we are you know uh if you want to get into like the ways in which people differ from other mammals, which is dust is attracted to us, like intention, creativity, like we're not going to get into all that, but I think it may, I guess it just makes sense to me that, you know, considering that the way the church acts in our real world around purity culture and being able to be like, Oh, look at this literal physical manifestation of the fact that the way that people interact with each other, desirous or not, or carnally or whatever you want to call it is in fact natural <laughs> and human, you know, is very much like, maybe we could just cut everyone away from that and they'll just be, you know, they could just follow the church. Which is like,
0: ugh. Listening to that, it a thought just occurred to me, which is like, what if they're blaming demons for, you know, quote, what happens during puberty or whatever? Because it seems like demons are very bad at hiding what you're feeling mm. you know but you know i, I a, a demon and their human are experiencing the same thing essentially you know they they are one and so i think it's possible that it's just like you know, in the same way that I think we were like demons would make it so that everyone's really bad at poker because they just have all of these tells. They're so bad at hiding what you're feeling. And so they're like, well, if we sever them, then people behave in this way where they're essentially programmable and they're uninterested in whatever. But maybe that's just a side effect, you know, or not. It, it is. It acts as like a lobotomy, but it's not because your demon was causing all of that stuff necessarily. It's because severing someone from their soul just inherently fucks you up you know
1: yeah yeah it's like cutting off the brain from something essential you know right so yeah yeah it's so fucking cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> um so i wanted to revisit a couple things from our conversation about book one because we had talked about like how do how do they know when someone doesn't have a demon kind of? and I was thinking about that, especially in the scene where Lyra comes back with Tony because Pan is a mouse in her hood. They can't see him. and for all they know, Tony's demon could also be a mouse in his hood, yeah, right. but they immediately know that something is wrong with tony and none of them are like is something wrong with lyra Mm -hmm. so there is something deeper that they're noticing it's not just like i don't remember what conclusion we came to i don't think we came to a conclusion i think we left it really open-ended this is still really open-ended but like more confirmation that there is something beyond just like do you spot their demon
1: yeah it must be like some sort of in world specific uncanny valley it just must be something where it's just your brain is just like i cannot totally articulate why this is off but something is off
0: you know yeah and especially because lyra clocks the the nurse demons and is like something feels really wrong here and then like talks herself out of it because she can't see what's wrong yeah And I think that's similar, too, in the way where people see witches and don't feel weird and then look around and are like, you don't have a demon, and then start feeling weird, you know? Yeah.
1: And I think also part of it, I think, for Lyra is when, like, she encounters the nurse's demon, she's just, like, it's so outside of her, like, just scope of what she knows. Or, like, I'm sure even what is, like, talked about, because what she's looking at is, like, really intense state-sponsored medical drama, which, I mean, in real life, people barely want to talk about, you know?
0: Right, right.
1: So, yeah. I have one more thing.
0: Yeah, me too. You go first.
1: (laughs) So we get this bit where, essentially, when Lyra gets the ball of anger and she's pretending to be not Lyra, she's like, all right, well... Dull people have, like, dull demons that don't change very often. So I, if I if I want to, like, blend in, I have to just appear like, like I'm not as clever as I actually am. And I don't know. I find that also very interesting, I guess. But also something that... I guess I'm just, like, thinking about... <laughs> actually, I'm thinking about what's-his-face from What We Do in the Shadows, Who You Hate the energy vampire Colin
0: Robinson
1: (laughs) and like people like that where it's just like perfectly fine well maybe not in his case but just like people who are just maybe not like curious about self expression so much Mm -hmm. and I feel like that would make sense that maybe you would have people who are just maybe not super curious about self-expression or themselves would maybe just have a like whatever kind of soul And I actually also think this actually brings credence to your continued argument that Lyra does not lack for imagination because Pantolima does not lack for creative forms. He has like ones that he rotates through, obviously, that he's for whatever reason, like ones that he finds the most comfortable. But when he's like fighting and he's switching forms really quickly or whatever, it's just like, oh.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, speaking of demon forms, someone on Patreon, sorry, I don't remember who, commented on our first episode about this book, where we had questioned whether a demon can be something that you've never heard of, and pointed out, I don't know if you've read Once Upon a Time in the North.
1: I've read like half of the like extra out of canon stuff. And that is one I have not read yet.
0: Yeah, so I, I have read it. It actually just randomly was one of the three books in an Airbnb that I looked <laughs> one time. And I was like, oh, That's cool. Very and so strange. I read it. <laughs> I know. Um, it comes with an extremely boring little board game in the back, too. Oh, my God. I mean, it's fun for like one round. But anyway. But in that, spoilers, it doesn't matter. Um, we learn that... Lee Scoresby's demon Hester is an arctic hare which is a demon like an animal he had never heard of. He just assumed like she was a rabbit, you know. Mm-hmm. But then he gets to the north and and learns that she is actually this very specific kind of rabbit and is like I learned that like there's this whole other layer to who I am as a person. So yeah, canonically your demon can can be something that you've never heard of, which I think it's cool.
1: You know, I actually also really like that because what I often think about in this series and like, when I think about the kinds of people, like kinds of people and their kinds of demons, I often think about people who are essentially like modern day hermits who like, they live in the middle of nowhere by themselves. And they're like, this is the lifestyle that I love. I don't want to be around people. And I think that there are in my mind, like, demon forms that would make sense to me. Like, if you want to live in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, by yourself, like, living off the land, and you, like, weren't born to that lifestyle, or, like, weren't, aren't, say, you know, indigenous Alaskan, or at least multi-generations, it's like, yeah, maybe when you're 12, you're like, why is my demon a giant bear? (laughs) And then you're like, wow, you know what I love? Being in the woods by myself, with no one around for literally hundreds of miles. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think that that is the kind of thing where it's, you wouldn't know that about yourself until you are much older than when your demon
0: settles. Yeah. Oh, I like that.
1: And yeah. And so I think, I just think there's a lot of things about like adulthood where you're just like, oh, I finally have found my place and I can imagine the way, a way in which a demon. Yeah. So that's really cool. I did not know that Hester was an Arctic hare. I'm just like, oh, she's a hare. Hairs live all over the United States. So, of course. (laughs) Right. But yeah, that's so cool to be like, I don't know. think you have an understanding of yourself and then like 20 years later, get a deeper understanding. But that's just, I think also happens a lot and people don't really talk about it unless you're queer and then you're like
0: (laughs) uncovering things about myself. Anyway. Right, right. Yeah, what do you have next?
1: Really, my last thing is just outside of maybe the sort of vicious fighting between demons that we often see Lyra engage in when she's in sort of a struggle for her life, that sometimes mire disagreements between kids. And I also wonder if adults are, are settled by your demons posturing at one another.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And it's interesting that that's like, you can't get in trouble for that somehow. But like, if you got in a fight, your human body has gotten a fight, you would probably be scolded by a teacher or something. Yeah. All right. So my next thing is Asriel is a witch question mark.
1: Interesting. Um, like, yeah, go ahead. He, sorry. Like saying like he was
0: born from a witch. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's like nobility. So that usually is an inherited title, but I mean, he can manifest things, you know? When Thorold is talking to Lyra, he's like, Azriel has a special way of call... I can't remember the exact line, but like... Call-
1: Calling things to him, yeah.
0: Manifesting that the things that he needs. And it doesn't sound like that means, you know, he sends a letter to someone and they bring him the thing that he needs. He, like, sends a message to the universe being like, I need a child to sever so that i can tear a hole between worlds and the universe delivers him a child yeah and you know i that's a power in our world you know i think it would be fair to be like azrael is a witch i don't know what the equivalent of that is in a world where there are irl witches like yeah as a i don't know species i don't
1: know yeah actually yeah i have a little bit about exploring what the fuck witches are. But yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, like, he definitely has some sort of magic to him. So, yeah. I don't know. I want to talk a little bit about witches.
0: Yeah, let's talk about witches.
1: I feel like my first thing is, are human but not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because, like, if they could live for almost a thousand years, it's just, like... Magic? I mean, obviously magic, but it's just kind of like, what a little funny little uh, evolutionary branch of humanity that is, we can fly and not feel cold. And also we don't have a normal, an average human (laughs) life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that they must be a different species in the way that Neanderthals were a different species, you know, where you can co-breed. I don't know what the word is, but yeah. you can make babies that have, can, can make their own babies, you know, because a lot of species that can make babies together, the babies can't make babies, but
1: yeah. Also, I was thinking that it would, it's also a funny way to figure out that you're a trans witch, which is you're like, how am I still looking this good? <laughs> how am I still alive? <laughs> it's just like, you're not aging, you're like, oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, yes, I love that too. I mean, I think you would probably figure it out earlier when you could do magic, you know, Mm -hmm. or, yeah, you're, realize that you're like way too hot in your parka. (laughs) I don't
1: need clothing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So many ways to have magical validation of gender in this universe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I am I am here for it. Um, I also, I feel like with the witches being like, compared to us, like, dudes live for a very short period of time. It's like, it's a little bit like vampire-human relationship conversations, I feel like. That's true. Where it's like, right, if Serafina Peckle is like 400
0: years old.
1: <laughs> and she gets with like 25-year-old Vodokoros.
0: I mean, they could still spend a real a really long time together, though. I kind of thought about that because, you know, she's like, it's this brief thing and then they're gone. And I'm like, is it brief because you get bored? Or because if I mean, if you get together when he's 25 and he lives to 90, that's like a quarter of her life. Yeah, that they could be together so far. Not her whole life.
1: Right. And it seems where there wouldn't be some dude to be like, well, I can just... We can move to the north. People live there. <laughs> like, we can just do that.
0: <laughs> right. So... Um, not to abruptly change the conversation, but do you think that people like the witch's consul are non-binary?
1: Possibly. I I guess I had always assumed that the consulate was like related to a witch in some capacity.
0: No, for sure. There, he's like a witch's son, but he seems to have some magic... I'm using he because that's the pronoun in the book, but like some, some low level magic and, you know, was chosen to be the consul out of all of the sons,
1: quote
0: unquote, that the witches have born. So I'm kind of like, maybe the people that get chosen to be sort of witch adjacent are the witches, non-binary children.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm here for this. All right, uh, those are all the things that I <laughs> had about
0: witches. Cool. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Gaily Planet. Check the show notes for all of the things, and until next time
1: Curiosity, knowledge, forbidden fruit. <laughs>